0: From Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show.
1: When I said I'm going to start the program with something that you wouldn't think that I would start with, not my kid. Well, that too, but that's not what I meant. So, on the one hand, it seems pretty unbelievable that I would fire out and open up this show with something like this. And I'm telling you, a number of you are not going to understand why I'm doing this, a number of you will not get it. And by a number of you, I mean essentially every last one of you. But I'm gonna do it anyway. I'm going to do it. And it's not the sexiest topic, definitely not. But I'm doing it because this crew has earned it. Now, before I get rolling downhill on this, I just wanna make it very clear that I know what month it is. I am well aware of how a calendar works, I know how to read, I know it's April. I'm getting that out of the way right now because I know you and I know how the majority of you are going to respond to what I'm about to say. I know it's April. I know it's extremely early, but here's the quote hot take The Rays are 10 and 0. The Rays. Are 10 and 0, which is the best start in Major League Baseball since 1987. And yes, I know, I know it's April, Rome. Settle down. I get it. I know how to read a calendar. I'm not telling you to run to your nearest sports book and bet the mortgage on Tampa. I'm not trying to tell you that they're on pace to win 162 games or that they're about to go and break the Mariners 116 win mark, which to me will never not be hilarious. The Mariners of all teams hold the single season record for wins and they have what to show for that. But anyway, it's not about that. This isn't about the Rays being historically great. This isn't about the Rays being some crazy outlier of a Tampa team. But it kind of is, right? That's the entire point. This is the Rays being the Rays. This is just the Rays doing Ray things, a.k.a. winning. They just win, 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 win. Win, win. win. Check this out. The only franchises that have more wins over the past six seasons are the Dodgers, the Astros, and the Yankees. Essentially, when it comes to winning in Major League Baseball right now, you've got your big market, big spending, big name teams from New York, in L.A., and you could probably even add H-Town to that. And then you have the Rays, and the Rays are none of those things, and yet they win anyway, don't the Rays deserve some love, too? Does it always have to be about the Yankees and Dodgers? Yeah, I get it. You want, you only want information about things that move the needle, right? I understand that. I know where I live. I know what you want. But does it always have to only be about the Yankees and the Dodgers? As another example, Tampa just posted three consecutive shutout wins. That any good. They won their first Nine games by four or more runs. That any good? In fact, their closer Pete Fairbanks just got his first save last night because the Rays, his first, because the Rays are bludgeoning the hell out of everybody so badly they haven't even had a save situation. As my guy Jeff Passon pointed out on Twitter, his nickname is Rare Banks because they essentially don't even need this dude. And by the way, Rare Banks himself has now gone 25 straight innings without allowing a run. But I'm probably not supposed to hype that either. Or the fact, check this, or the fact that the Rays have more home runs so far than runs allowed. Dodger Jano, calculate that. And it's not even close Sweetheart. by a lot. Look, I get it. It's April. I get it, the other Rays. I get that they haven't played anybody yet. They've only beaten the Tigers, the Nats, the A's, and now the Red Sox, who, by the way, are all major league clubs. Unless they're playing Tampa, I guess. And then they're independent league teams, or they don't count. And the thing is, again, this isn't anything new for the Rays. They're like a winning machine. They have been, and they do it by playing solid, consistent baseball and by developing young talent and not by buying any of it. They've got the third lowest payroll in the sport right now, third. Their payroll is over 200 mil less than the Yankee payroll. Man, you know how smart and effective and efficient you have to be? Their payroll is over $200 million less than the Yankees yet over the last six years. The Yankees have only won 22 more games. So yes, Tampa, I'm going to give your Rays some bleeping credit. credit. For real. Even though it's only April, even though they're only the Rays... And even though nobody else, much less somebody with my platform and forum, is going to do so, Tampa. You're bleeping welcome. You're welcome. And for the rest of you clones, I know what baseball topic you really want me to hit. I know. I know. Just as I know that you're going to remind me that it's April, I really know that you're going to remind me about this. And want to know why I'm not leading with this. In fact, I bet right now there are already jokes in my mansion's about, wait for it, I know you want me to go there. I'm always faced with this. Do I give them what they want? Do I give them what they want? You know what? I will. I'll give you what you want this time. Why don't we take a moment of the open and why don't we talk about these so-called dong bong. Incredible. The dong bong. It's a real thing. If... Internet creations are real things. Okay, I'll do it. I'll talk to you about the dong bong right now. But not for the reasons you think I am. Not because the dong bong is like the lowest hanging fruit. But only because if you're calling it the dong bong, I really need to be the adult in the room and set the record straight and clarify this because you got it wrong. Somebody's got to set the record straight. Sorry to be the big buzzkill on the dong bong, but I'm going to be the big buzzkill on the dong bong because I'm not talking about any dong bong on this show. The dong bong, which is, I'm about to throw a moratorium on it. We're not going there. Dong bong. Hashtag dongbong. The dong bong is the new home run celebration which debuted by Baltimore last night. The Dongbong involves, quote unquote, there it is. If you're watching on CBS Sports Network, that is the so called Dongbong. Although that's not what it is. That's just what the internet decided it was. What it involves is a funnel attached to a plastic hose, and every home run hitter gets a drink of water from said hose. In fact, our dude, Adley Rutschman, got to hit that dong bong last night. Except again, it's not really the dong bong. It is according to the internet, but not everything on the internet is true. But according to the internet, it's the Dongbong. But according to the Orioles themselves, it's actually the quote, Homer Hose. Yeah, I know. Dongbong is a lot more fun than Homer Hose. As last night's winning pitcher, Kyle Gibson, explained after the game, that's what that actually is.
2: So if I'm the first person you've asked, we want to make sure that it's, uh, you know, rebranded a little bit. Uh, it's a Homer Hose, not a. Uh, a dong bong. So it's a homer <laughs> hose. Um, just like as a kid, you know, you go out back, you take a drink from the water hose after you play outside playing wiffle ball. So uh, we've got a turn the water faucet on celebration when you hit a uh, single. We've got a sprinkler when you hit an extra base hit. And then it's a homer hose when you hit a homer. So just so you guys, uh, we know that we that we get that straight.
1: Thanks for setting the uh, record straight, my man. I tried. They're not going to listen to me. I also didn't really know that when you went deep in the backyard with a wiffle ball, you immediately went to the hose. Or the dong bong. I like it, though. And if you did it in the backyard as a kid, I really like it on the major league level. But there you have it, clones. As much as you want it to be, it's not. It's the homer hose. Not the dong bong. So... When you're sending in your innuendo-laden, phallic, disgusting, (laughs) inappropriate, (laughs) beavis-like, awful responses that I don't even want, just make sure you get that right. It's the Homer Hose, not the dong bong. I don't do a show where you you start off a nationally syndicated product by going on and on about a dong bong. It's not who I am. It's not how I got in the Hall of Fame, with dong-bong takes. Hey, and by the way, that's exactly what the Rays are missing, ask me. A homer hose. It's my understanding that they already have a post-game ritual where they all decide after every single game which player gets a shot of tequila. That's my kind of ritual. I love that. I just need to know what kind. But you know what, though? As well as they're playing right now, and especially as deep as they're going, as consistently as they are, remember more dong bongs, homers than runs allowed. I think they need something like that. They need something viral. They need something awesome that actually makes people pay attention to them. Because as always, somehow, some way, the Rays are the first team ever where winning is not enough. Winning is not enough to get people to look at you, talk about you, respect you, and respond to you. I guess you need something like, I don't know, a dong bong. People don't even want to look at them, or hype them, or even talk about them, despite the fact that they're off to the best start in decades. They're 10-0, and, and they're running right through that sport, and nobody's talking about them except me. Tampa. You're welcome. U.S. Cellular is introducing us mode. You know, it's kind of like airplane mode. But for people, it's a way to set up your phone so it does not get in the way of people really being with each other. Block distractions. Make way for real connections. Give it a try. Visit U.S. Cellular in-store or online, and they'll help set up your phone to us mode. Free. Even if you're not a customer. Built for superior 5G connection and real human connection, U.S. Cellular, built for us. Find out more at uscellular.com slash us. Dan Wojcicki joining us. How do they look to you?
2: Yeah, I think they've got pretty good reason to, Jim. I mean, I think it's not even just, you you know, the stretch, like, you you know, from the two and ten start. Um, You mentioned the trade deadline. You know, I was talking to D'Angelo Russell about this the other night. Um, the first night that those guys showed up in LA, the night of the trade deadline, the Lakers lost to the bucks. They only had like eight guys healthy playing and, and they were six games under 500 Jim that day, you know, and since then they have become a, a winning basketball team really for the first time. And, you know, over a season and a half, um, it's been a, it's been a real uphill slog for LeBron James and for Anthony Davis injuries, bad on court fits, bad off court fits, and really the locker room is in a good space. The team is playing pretty good basketball. They, they've scuffled a little bit here down the stretch. Um, I'm not quite sure if it's, they're running out of gas. I don't know if they kind of need the the season to energize them a little bit, but they played some of their best basketball this year, this past month. they peaked at the right time. And in a Western conference, that's kind of confusing to sort out. They're in as good a spot as anybody. They'd much rather be the succeed, obviously, than have to play in this play-in tournament, but, even that is broken for pretty favorably for them.
1: Dan, I think you're right. I think that they've played well, certainly since the trade deadline, but they have scuffled of late, and I think they're just kind of waiting, right, to throw the switch, like, all right, it's go time right now. Let's do it. I wonder what's going to happen when they go to throw the switch if the light goes on. But starting with tonight, you look at the T-Wolves. I mean, Dan, some really dumb stuff, right, Jaden McDaniels goes and gives the wall the hands and fractures one of them. Rudy Gobert is going to serve his one-game suspension for swinging on teammate Kyle Anderson. I mean, ask me some of the dumbest stuff ever. Are you looking for the Lakers to pound Minnesota tonight, or can you make an argument that the T-Wolves might hang in?
2: I mean, I think Minnesota will absolutely hang in, right? Speaking of combat sports, Jim, who knew that the Minnesota Timberwolves would be a hub for it too, but – You you know, I I think the Jaden McDaniels injury is is a very big deal. Obviously, Rudy Gobert has been a guy who's been kind of maligned in the playoffs in the past. A guy who's been played off the court in important games. Um, The Lakers did it a couple years ago with Stanley Johnson. Teams can go very small against Rudy Gobert and put him into tough situations. Um, Minnesota has Carl Anthony Towns right to play center. It's a pretty good second option. So they're they're good on that front. The McDaniels injury, though, is like that's the guy that they were going to throw at LeBron James. That would be the guy that if D'Angelo Russell got hot, he, w- he would guard him. He would maybe even guard Anthony Davis for stretches. Not having that versatility on defense is going to be a big deal for Minnesota. But, look, Anthony Edwards, to me, Jim, is, is, is a dog. Like, that guy is a star. He carried Minnesota in the second half against New Orleans to get them into this position. The Lakers think this is going to be an easy game. Um, I think they're mistaken. You know, th- this will be a tough – like – Yes, the Timberwolves are shorthanded. Yes, the Lakers are favored. Yes, the Lakers are at home. Um, Minnesota's a tough, physical, hungry team. They've been in this position before. They won a play game last year. I would anticipate this to be a pretty good basketball game. and pretty intense.
1: Dan Wojcicki joining us along with his dog, B. Arthur. I love Anthony Edwards. I think you're right. I think I don't see them winning. I don't see the T-Wolves winning, but I don't see them rolling over either. Dan, so looking around the West, what about Sacramento? They snapped the longest playoff drought in NBA history, and they're going to go up against the defending champion Warriors, which I think is actually pretty sweet. I love the matchup. Golden State, as we know, has had a terrible time on the road this year, but they should have Andrew Wiggins back. They are the defending champs. Who do you like in this matchup?
2: I mean, I like the Warriors, but I think it'll be tougher than people ex- expect. You know, I was talking to a, a coach the other day, and, and he had said sort of, you know, all these teams that were jockeying to play Sacramento, that there's a little bit maybe buyer beware in that, that you look around the West, um, the Warriors are reintegrating. Andrew Wiggins, the Suns have had injuries, and they put things together. Denver scuffled down the finish a little bit. Memphis has had tons of drama and has big injuries. Like, the Kings have just kind of gone about their business, which is – Crazy because typically King's business means like being done sometimes around March 1st. And, and like, but this has been a team that has been drama free. It knows exactly who it is. They've been healthy. Um, they've played the injuries that they've had, had they've played through and they score a ton of points. Now, can they get stops? They haven't yet, <laughs> you know, and that tends to be pretty important in the bow season, but they are a team that has a, a real identity, Jim. And, and You know, I think Sacramento is going to be rocking like those crowds up there, especially when the games are big, uh, are great. Um, I saw it's, you know, $200 more expensive to get into a Kings playoff game in the first round than it is to get in to see the Warriors. It's going to be wild. One of the series, if not the series, I think I'm most excited kind of to watch Kings Warriors. It should be really fun.
1: Dan Wojcicki joining us. What is another series that you're really excited to watch? Well, I mean, if we, I,
2: I think Clippers Suns is going to be fascinating in the West, right? Um, you, you, you've got Phoenix, um, the Clippers. won to 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 not try to duck them, which I appreciate. I think sports in which teams are losing on purpose generally, we need less of that. Um, I want to see teams kind of go and challenge themselves, and it, the challenge doesn't get any bigger than Phoenix, right? Um, my favorite stat, maybe, of the entire NBA season, I think, is that Kevin Durant has lost two games that he's played in since Thanksgiving. <laughs> or something like that. It's some crazy stat. Like, he just doesn't lose basketball games. But Kawhi Leonard kind of quietly this year sort of returned to form. And in the playoffs, when you've got this guy who you can unleash on defense who seems seemingly makes like every 19-footer, can get to his spots because of his physicality, he, he's good enough to win you a couple games. And then around him, the Clippers have a ton of shooters, um, a ton of guys. And then they have like probably the ultimate wildcard card, Russell Westbrook, which is like who knows, like super high variance player, could win you a game, could lose you a game just as easily. Um, but I kind of like the Clippers. Obviously, I wish Paul George would be was healthy in this series. I think that would make it a, a much more compelling matchup. I think Phoenix will win. But but it's another series that I think will be really tough. And then, you know, you look out east, I think Cleveland-New York is, you know, the most compelling first-round series. Um, Contrast in styles, I think Cleveland has been a really good story this year. The Knicks have played I mean, you talk about identity. I mean, that is just like five guys who play like Tom Thibodeau talks, you know, like raspy and, and rough and stuff like that. And, and they have that identity. And uh, that could be like some good old school, like Jeff Van Gundy grab you by the calves, Eastern Conference basketball.
1: I agree with you. I think that the Suns-Clippers, Dan, to me, that's the best first-round matchup. But the Cavaliers and Knicks are not far behind. I love both those matchups. Before I let you go, because you mentioned drama, let's talk drama. Let's talk about a team that's not there. Let's talk about the Mavericks. There's something else, right? They complete their meltdown. They finish six games under 500. They tank so blatantly Friday in order to keep that draft pick that it prompts an NBA investigation. What do you make of all the drama in Dallas?
2: I don't know if you saw Mr. B's ears perk up when he mentioned Dallas. He's disgusted by the effort. <laughs> he, the looks think, he looks you, you know,
1: enraged.
2: He looks enraged. He was so – he's he's just viciously mad. Um, I think, look, Jim, um, they had a reason to lose, right? They had that draft pick, top ten protected. It is what it is. Um, they're not the only team that tanked on the stretch. I will say they're the only team that tanked on the stretch that if you looked at their roster – could can you know pretty easily say that they would have two of the three best players on the court in any game that they played you know that they've got more talent at the top of their roster than the thunder than the pelicans um you know even the lakers at times right kyrie ever just won a game in la without luka Doncic um a month ago and i think you know for them to kind of walk away from a competitive chance it confused people i think it upset luka Doncic. i think um, I, I know there are people within that organization who didn't want to do that. That being said, like, I mean, they're on the clock with this guy. Um, Luca is kind of, you know, confirmed that, that he's, he's not going to request a trade. He, he's happy in Dallas and stuff like that. But, um, being around LeBron James these last few years, as they've struggled being around Anthony Davis these last years, they struggled. special talent doesn't like to lose. You don't like, you want to be in the biggest stage. You want to play in the biggest game with the brightest lights. That doesn't happen when you're sitting at home in may and i think dallas is going to have to figure out who the right guy is to play alongside Luka dodgers to take some of the pressure off of him and they've got to figure out what to do without gutting the rest of their roster they did that um you know jalen brunson was obviously a massive mistake for them um you know the Kyrie irving trade we'll see i, I still think that Kyrie is a guy who can play with anybody jim but it's a mess, and and they've got they've got a they've got a generational talent, Luka Doncic, there, and you need to maximize that because they don't come around that often.
1: So, really quickly, if Kyrie is a guy, Dan, that can play with anybody, he and Luka did not play well together this year. I understand it was a late season edition. Yeah. Now, if they didn't do it this year, is there any reason to believe it's going to work any better next year if Kyrie does re-up? Would it be different? <laughs>
2: The challenge would be is you've got to you know you you've got to find kind of the types of players that you gave away to get Kyrie, right? Like you traded Dorian Finney-Smith, who's kind of that prototypical three and D player. They need you would need rim protection and you need defensive wings. And like, here's the thing with that, Jim. Like everybody wants those things, right? And and you're going to be on a budget, and that's going to be difficult. Um, But if you're going to play kind of two, you know, subpar defensive players on the outside, and and look, and they need to get more of a care factor for Luka Doncic on defense. I, I think there's no question on, the, on, the, on that front. Like, he has got to play harder. He's got to be in better shape at the start of a season. And if you're going to tell him that he's going to do less on offense, we're going to help lighten your load there. We're going to need more from you on defense. And I think, you know, he's running out of time, too. I mentioned how the, the Mavs are on the clock. Uh, I think he's on the clock a little bit in that way, too, To to, you know, try to be a player who can impact the game on defense. But. That You've got to try to really build the roster on those guys and find better defenders, better shooters. But like I said, that's at the top of everyone's shopping list. It's hard. I, I think the only issue, though, Jim, is if you let Kyrie walk um, or if he chooses to walk, then what?
1: Then Who's what? Next? You then just do it. You're indeed. running
2: it. It's like a – it's a quarter – it's like when you change offensive coordinators with a young quarterback, like every year. It's like you you need a you need a little bit of stability.
1: He covers the Lakers and the NBA for the LA Lakers. Used to cover the Clippers for the Orange County Register. Good, good friend of the program with his wingman, B. Arthur. He is Dan Wojcie. Dan, appreciate it so much, man. Great job. Thank you.
2: Thanks, Jim. Tried not to clear my throat this time, too. You know, I, I wanted to make sure that I was nice and well lubricated.
1: Oh, you were, dude. <clears throat> it's Wednesday or Thursday, and I'm talking about something that happened on Saturday night. So if I don't get to this, that could happen. But if something jumped the weekend from Saturday to Tuesday, you know, in my mind, it's pretty big. I'm talking about UFC 287 in Miami. So it didn't go the way a lot of people in Miami had hoped that it would go. I either a guy or hey, Masvidal lost that fight and called it a career. He, of course, is beloved, beloved. However, despite that fact, not a single fan left the arena Saturday night without a dropped jaw because after Masvidal called it a career for fighting, well, at least for fighting in the octagon, wink, wink, I know my man's going to give somebody the hands back in the streets and it's going to be awesome. Remember, he made his mark in his name street fighting back in the day, and then he parlayed that into the most amazing year ever for a fighter, really, in 2019 when he won three fights, and then, as he points out, went on to become a multi-multi-millionaire. I think this is not the last time. This might be the last time we see Masvidal in the octagon, but it will not be the last time somebody is on the receiving ends of his hands. However, that aside, there was a holy bleep moment An incredible ending to a big-time, big-time fist fight, And honestly, what I'm talking about here, this is one of the biggest reasons why I love combat sports. One of the biggest reasons why I love MMA. I know it's not for all of you. And I'm never, ever going to try and talk you into it. It's not for everybody. It's really violent and really raw. However, one of the biggest reasons I love it is there are amazing things and bleep that happen in that sport at the drop of a dime that you don't see in other sports. Namely, Israel Adesanya providing that walk-the-hell-off moment in his title fight against Alex Perea. For those who do not know the history between these two, there is history. There is beef.
3: Is this the beef jerky segment?
1: No, but there is beef. Izzy is arguably an all-time great A world-class fighter. But Alex has owned this guy. He'd beaten him three straight times. Not one, not two, but three in combat sports. I've made the point that another reason I love MMA and UFC is that everybody loses. No matter how dominant you are, you will get beat. Everybody, except Habib. But everybody gets beat because there's so many different disciplines and so many different ways to get caught. And guys were so skilled. And the gals were so skilled. Everybody gets beaten. But a guy that good does not get beaten three times. Much less four. And he was looking at that. It happened twice in glory kickboxing bouts. And time last November at UFC 281. So not only did... Alex become the first middleweight ever to beat Izzy in mixed martial arts. he ripped the strap from him in brutal fashion as he finished the fight like his second kickboxing bout with an ice job of Izzy iced him ice. So that was the third win in a row. So when the big head and I talked about this Friday, we both took Izzy to win. And again, one of my biggest reasons for doing so was I could not see a dude as special as Izzy losing four times to the same guy. I mean, that to me was unfathomable. I could not get my head around it. And sure enough, in the second round, it looked like that was exactly what was going to happen. Alex, always intimidating as hell, coming straight forward, cutting off the cage, doing real damage, And I thought that Izzy was in real trouble, real trouble. He was about to lose to the same guy four straight times. He backs Izzy up against the cage, there is blood in the water, and then Alex goes in for the kill, only to get slept himself, it was incredible. Listen, that, that's not for effect. It was that electric. If ever there was a holy bleep moment, it was that. He had him against the cage. He was doing significant damage. I thought Izzy was going down again. And then Izzy, you know, like George Foreman and Zaire getting slept by Muhammad Ali off the ropes, except this was off the cage. Izzy straight returned the favor and slept this dude. And Solo Jim, I was Solo. Solo Jim couldn't even tell Rogan Loam or Dr. Jano because they were in Wisco. So I kept hitting the big head up instead with holy bleep, holy bleep, holy bleep. Because I know the big head wasn't watching and was going to pirate it the next morning. On the off chance that the big head wasn't watching. Hell, you saw on Twitter how in shock I was. And it's because there was a reason that guy was the champ. There was a reason why Alex had beaten Izzy three times already. And this dude appeared to be on the verge of knocking Izzy the hell out again. This guy's confidence had never been higher. No joke. Alex is like, he's a damn cyborg. He was so much bigger, so much stronger, and he was murdering Izzy's leg. But the danger in being that confident is overconfidence. And the danger in overconfidence is recklessness and forgetting who you're fighting. And as Izzy would later say after the fight, and believe me, he did some of his best damage after the fight, most damage after the fight. As he would later say, he was simply playing possum, looking to draw Alex in, and that's exactly what he did. Back to the cage, and it was then that Izzy started doing insane Izzy things like genius bleep. This dude is so special. And he's proven, yet again, he's one of the best to ever do it. Truly, the rarest of the rare. A dude who got knocked the hell out, but was able to pick himself up off the mat to come back and reclaim his title. And the way he did it makes this dude even more iconic. Think about this. Even if you're not about MMA, maybe you like boxing, or maybe you like sports, but you can relate to this, right? A lot of times, and especially in combat sports, When a champion loses, you never see them fight their way back to being the best of the best. A lot of times it doesn't happen because a lot of times they're never the same. In other words, oftentimes when guys get knocked the hell out, they're never the same again because they lose more than just that fight. They lose their mojo. They lose that thing that made them so great in the first place. I've seen this happen time and time again in all of combat sports. And I know that Izzy knows that. Izzy did an amazing job of explaining that concept in the cage right after he slept Alex. Hey,
4: shush, shush, listen up, I wanna say something. People, earth, I need to say something, listen to me. I hope every one of you behind the screens or in this arena can feel this level of happiness just one time in your life. I hope all of you can feel how I am just one time in your life but guess what you never feel this level of happiness if you don't go for something in your own life when they knock you down when they try and you when they talk about you and they try to put their foot on your neck if you stay down you will never ever get that resolve fortify your mind and feel this level of happiness as you rise one time in your life but I'm blessed to be able to feel this Again and again and again and again and again.
1: Like a bleeping phoenix. Risen from the ashes. I got goosebumps. I watched that live and I'm like, whoa. I love it. Absolutely love it. Izzy being Izzy. Dropping F-bombs and educating the world about challenging yourself. And about getting the hell up off the mat. And beating back all those demons. Knowing that the only way out is to go all in. This dude truly is one of one, in the cage and on the mic, something Alex found out when he woke the hell up. This dude was unconscious. You know he thought he was seconds away from winning a fourth fight in a row with this guy only to wake up and say, what the hell just happened? A truly incredible moment and worth every single dollar that I spent on that pay-per-view. By the way... Didn't cost me anything since the big head and I hit Izzy on big head bets Friday before the fight. But I will say again, this is what I love about combat sports. Moments like that. Izzy is a rare, rare breed. And I would say that he walked off on that, but he didn't. In fact, he was only getting started. He took care. This is incredible. This part of it, too. He took care. And again, you might not like the topic or the fight game. Hear me out on this. This was amazing. He took care of another beef in the fight and a beef after that, after the fight. He evens the score with Alex. And even then, even after sleeping this guy and making that statement in the cage, he was not done yet. The payback was not complete. He wanted to pay back Alex's kid too. That's right. This is how cold-blooded Izzy is. He's coming for the guy's kid. He would tell you the kid started it. Listen to this. Back in 2017, after Izzy was KO'd, the first time in Brazil, Alexis' son got in the ring. He's just a toddler. He's a little kid. The little kid gets up in the cage and mocks Izzy, By dropping to the floor, falling to the floor like the man that his dad just knocked the hell out. He mimicked Izzy getting knocked out. It's an incredible thing to see, a little kid, a little kid doing this to a grown man. Talk about somebody keeping receipts. That's not something Izzy was going to forget. So, I mean, you might think that's kind of cute for a little kid to do that, right? Izzy didn't think so. Fast forward to the last weekend. Six years later, there is Israel pointing to Alexa's son who is not mocking him now, but crying because daddy is out cold. The kid is crying because daddy is out cold. For all he knows, the kid, daddy's never going to wake up. So Alexa's crying son is there. And then Izzy does the same drop-to-the-floor KO-taunt to the little kid that the kid did to him six years earlier. And when asked at the presser, something to the effect of, I mean, champ, isn't that kind of crossing the line, mocking a kid, talking junk to a kid about his fallen father who may not even wake up? This is how Izzy responded to that. Someone
4: in the crowd and... Took a little dive. I'm petty, bro. I remember. So the first time he knocked me out in Brazil, um, his son came into the ring and then started to just lie dead next to me. And I'm like, you f***ing little (sighs) I'll whoop your ass if your dad don't do it for you. But then, um, yeah, I looked for his kid and I I pointed at him and I saw him and I was like, hey, hey, hey. Just to remind him.
1: I mean, are you kidding me about that? He was asked about that, and in no way did he walk that back or apologize. In fact, he couldn't wait to be asked about mocking the little kid. Quote, I'm petty, bro. When he did that, that bleeping little bleephole. Listen to this. Someone in the crowd and took a little
4: dive. uh, I'm petty, bro. I remember. So the first time he knocked me out in Brazil, um, his son came into the ring and then started to just lie dead next to me. And I'm like, you little I'll whoop your ass if your dad don't do it for you. But then, um, yeah, I looked for his kid, and I, l- I pointed at him, and I saw him, and I was like, hey, hey, hey.
1: Just to remind him. Incredible. I'll whoop his ass if his dad doesn't. He I'll lay dead next to me, you. you bleeping little bleep hole. And I found him, and I said, hey, hey, hey. And listen, MMA him. is not for everybody. And it might not be for little kids, although you can make the argument that actually it's a good thing. It is for little kids. They should train to defend themselves. However, Izzy clearly is not above disciplining other people's kids in his own way. And he is keeping receipts, even on little kids. Now, for me, I am anti-taunting of children, especially children who are crying. I'm funny like that. But chalk that up, I guess, is a learning moment. I'm not going to tell you how to raise your kids, but I will tell you this. If your kid taunts another man at his lowest moment, bad things will happen. I'm like, you f***ing And I'm like, you effing little bleephole. I'll whoop your ass if your dad don't do it for you. Izzy. No one like him. Oh, man. I got my money's worth in that one. That was worth that pay-per-view. All of that fight in the aftermath. All right, when we come back, uh, that's how that jumped the weekend. That's how I had to get to that. There was no way I didn't get to that. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of... You never know if it's him or a fake him. John in New York. John, what's up, brother?
5: Come on, Jim. I just want to first say you have two
1: uh, beautiful
5: sons that I got to experience to meet them in person and everything like that. And, and you and John should be real proud of both of them. I got to see that, you know, live for myself. And it was they're very impressive and very respectful. And just, you could just, my gut, great kids. Anyway, Jim, I have an issue with my foot, with my toe. I have, like, this fungus on it. I've been trying to get rid of it for the longest amount of time, using all these pharmaceutical products, you know, in the, in the drugstores and everything, painting them on, spraying them on, leaving my socks off, putting air, hot air over it, everything like that, and nothing goes away. Gimmicky big pharma. Gimmicky this. Gimmicky that. And every time I'm using one of these products, I'm like, another gimmick, it's not going to work. Another gimmick, it's not going to work. Gimmicky. And then all of a sudden I'm like, we have the biggest gimmicky bitch in the jungle that we deal with all day long. It's like it shouldn't be nothing I can't handle, but it's pissing me off just like the gimmicky little bitch in Laguna Beach. I mean, you know, he comes around here once, twice a year, and everybody's supposed to bow down to him. I'm not about that, Jim. Anyway, thanks for your time again. Love you. Love the show, and I'll talk to you soon.
1: Oh no, my man's back. <laughs> Bro, that thud you heard was you crashing back to earth, back to where you were before you took that run. Edge He is Bruce Feldman. Bruce, good to have you back. In fact, great to have you back. Bruce, how are you?
0: Doing well, Jim. Good to be on with you.
1: Good to have you. So lots of different ways to go with it, Bruce. But why don't we start with one of the big stories from yesterday. Cliff Kingsbury, headed to USC, is a senior offensive analyst Ask me, Bruce, I think that's a pretty fascinating move, given he probably had some other pretty good options. Why do you think he's doing this, and what is your reaction?
0: I think for Lincoln Riley, and certainly for Caleb Williams, it's a great addition. Um, Cliff will be involved in game planning, he'll watch film uh, with Lincoln, and be in quarterback. meetings. He won't be like the quarterback coach. I know that was floated out there, but... It gets him back, you know, active in in football while not going all the way in. I also, you know, look, he has he has to seek employment. I think as part of as part of um, you know his deal with the Cardinals, uh, you know, he's in L.A. We know he likes it in, uh, on the West Coast, and I think it's also a good opportunity for him to to continue on the development side where he can. Uh, talk a lot of X's and O's and strategy with somebody who's pretty like-minded, but also, you know, really cutting-edge game planner like Lincoln Riley. So I think it's a, it's a win-win on both sides. Obviously, you know, look, USC needs its most help getting its, its defense better. But I think if you're talking about, you know, I put this in our story on The Athletic yesterday, that, that really of the last, like, nine Heisman Trophy-winning quarterbacks, Four of them have either been coached and developed by Lincoln or by Cliff, and that doesn't even include Cliff's work finding and developing Patrick Mahomes and, and, and also what Lincoln did with Jalen Hurts. I mean, it's a pretty amazing legacy those guys have with QBs.
1: We were talking to Bruce Feldman, agreed, and he is walking into another great quarterback room. So, Bruce, you recently posted your third annual mock NFL draft on The Athletic. It's always a tremendous read, extremely well-sourced and researched. Based on all the work you've done, the intel you have, what do you think Carolina does with that top pick overall?
0: I think the the guy for them with, with the least concerns is C.J. Stroud. The coaches I talk to, and the way I approach my mock draft is a little different probably from some other people, where I want to talk to all the coaches who've actually played and scouted and game planned against these players because they know exactly what they're working with, you know, and what they're trying to do to them. So they just have a unique perspective. CJ Stroud's accuracy is remarkable he's really football smart he's a good athlete you look what he did in his last time out against georgia which is probably the closest talent level in terms of size and athleticism that you're going to see in college football relating to the nfl game Lit them up showed really good athleticism evading pressure uh he has really good size there is no weaknesses to cj stroud You know, Bryce Young, who's the other guy I think that would be very tempting, you know, really football smart, sees the field well, incredibly accurate, similar to CJ in that regard, but he's much smaller. And I think if you're having to decide between the two, there is more durability concerns, I think, with Bryce Young at that size. I mean, you know, people can make the comparisons to, well, Russell Wilson's five, ten and a half also, but Russell Wilson's almost 220 pounds and built more like a running back than certainly Bryce Young is. Of the two, I mean, I like them both, but I just think there's less of the injury worry when you're you're investing so much in C.J. Stroud as there is with Bryce.
1: Bruce Feldman joining us. You're right. So he measured out Young did at 5'10 and 204 at the scouting combine. So there's going to be that concern about his durability for sure, Bruce. Where do you have him going in the draft? Where do you think he'll end up?
0: I think he would go next there to the Texans. I mean, if you're D'Amico Ryan's, you're gonna have that Shanahan style offense, you have a guy who can who can get outside the pocket, but also really smart. I think he's a good building block for them for a franchise that needs a ton of help. You know, the, to me what'll be interesting here is if you're a team that a franchise is like, all right, we're not gonna win now. Do you sit there and say, all right, we could be in the same boat a year from now when you have Caleb Williams, who I think Caleb Williams is even more talented than any of the quarterbacks in this draft. You also have Drake May from North Carolina, who a lot of other NFL personnel people like. Is there somebody else who can help your franchise, or do you drop back maybe a little later and you can get somebody else who could be a good addition and you you add more players? I think that's the the dilemma some of these teams are going to have especially if they know that 2023 is they're not in a win now or people are going to pull the plug on you at that point.
1: That's something to think about. Bruce Feldman joining us. Bruce, what about Anthony Richardson who is rising up a ton of draft boards after electric performances at the Combine and Pro Day both. Is he still rising and where would you project him?
0: I have him going forth to the Colts. If you look at his, to me the the comp that is probably best for him, but it's nothing is, is direct, but is Josh Allen. Because what they both have is great size. R- Allen runs well. Richardson runs incredibly well in the, you know, running in the low four fours. But you have real accuracy questions with them. Both guys com- completed in the mid-50% mark in college. Now, Anthony Richardson played at a much higher level in the SEC compared to Josh Allen who was in the Mountain West at Wyoming. And when Allen played against Power Five opponents, he really struggled. But what I think is a good fit here with the Colts, you had a system that Allen went in with Brian Dayball with the Bills where they really managed him well. It was moving, moving the pocket a lot, incorporating more quarterback run game. They basically cut the field in half. And Allen really got settled. You saw them, they will do similar managing with Daniel Jones, who is very athletic and, and, you know, didn't worry too much about the stuff he struggled with or wasn't versed in. Shane Steichen is the coach with the Colts who takes over. Really good track record with working with big athletic quarterback. We saw he had Justin Herbert with the Chargers early on, did well with him. And then, again, utilizing the legs the last year, what they did with Jalen Hurts with the Eagles, really impressive. Anthony Richardson, he has a sky-high ceiling. You lean on his legs early. you got to hope he can continue to develop. But I think that could be a really good fit with him with Steichen and the Colts.
1: Bruce Feldman breaking it down. So, before you go, Bruce, if Anthony Richardson and Josh Allen or if Josh Allen might be a pretty good comp for Richardson, who would be a good comp for Kentucky quarterback Will Levis?
0: You know, I think he's he is
1: similar to those guys. He doesn't
0: quite have the same you know, he's not quite as big, but he's still very big. He's got an electric arm. He runs well, not as not as well as Richardson. Again, I think the concerns are consistency. But if you look at what he did Two years ago, he gets the Kentucky transfer from Penn State. He's there after spring ball. He arrives, so he doesn't even have that. He does. Uh, Liam Cohen's the new offensive coordinator. He he looks really good, very impressive. This past year, Cohen moves on to the NFL, back to the Rams. New system. They're not as good on the offensive line. He struggles. I mean, as people will see in the story on the Athletics, there were some concerns, and it looked like he was kind of seeing ghosts. The consistency is a concern but the people i've talked to are like hey we saw what he looked like the film on in 2021 we know he can do it we believe in him i don't think he will go as high as richardson because i think people look at his ceiling and think it's even more impressive but i think for teams looking to develop a quarterback maybe if you're the titans where you already have Ryan Tannehill for one more year before he becomes a free agent, maybe you think, all right, let's let him get acclimated. We, can, we know he can run. There's some things we can do with him. He's a guy we'll invest in for the future.
1: So, Bruce, finally, like you, with spring games coming up right now and spring practices already underway and have been, I've been talking to a lot of coaches to get their thoughts. I'm curious, Bruce, what's a spring storyline or two that has your attention right now?
0: there's some really intriguing quarterback battles you certainly have at Ohio state
1: who, you know,
0: is in can Devin Brown, who was a one-time USC commit very athletic. Can he be the guy to replace CJ Stroud, you know, cause Ohio state Ryan day has just had a great run of quarterbacks. So you have terrific receivers there. Uh, you know, another thing that I'm interested to see going forward is Georgia's trying to become the first team to ever three feet in major college football. They lost a lot of good players on defense. They obviously lost Stetson Bennett. Now they have their own quarterback battle there. I think those quarterback battles are key, but also you know that the backdrop of the transfer portal window opens up late, you know, in a week, less than a week. So are we going to see another wave of, of players? You know, it's like a bat signal going up. Hey, you know, certain programs are going to be like, we could use a right tackle. We need a, we need a defensive end. I think you will see a big uh, rush into the portal later this month as teams try to sort out their rosters knowing that, you know what, we've seen teams that are just a couple of players away from, from making a big difference in the roster. I think those are things to keep an eye on in addition to, like, you have all these, you know, the Matt Rules and, and Luke Fickles, new coaches and new places really trying to get programs Uh, re energized
1: Agreed. Can't wait to see how that plays out. My man's all over all these things. A college football writer for The Athletic. Best-selling author, too, in books include the QB, The Making of Modern Quarterbacks. You see him on television. He is everywhere. Bruce, so good to have you on. Really appreciate the insight and the commitment. Great to have you, Bruce. Thank you. Always a pleasure, Jim. Thanks for having me. Ryan in Sacktown. Let's see if he can back it up. Ryan, what's going on? How are you?
3: Oh, Johnny Boy in New York. Spark up one of Cubans' Cubans after that golden ticket tank job. Oh, and make sure you inhale. Not to worry, the clones aren't investigating or rejoicing. But really, was that a take or a voice memo recording meant for Rex and Bristol's Craigslist Craigslist ad offering amateur pedicures? FYI, there's no OTC ointment for diabetes or your smack. Clones, return your ponchos and your N95 masks. The smack-off now has a 0% chance of precipitation or perspiration. Wore the Rays paying Riverside a royalty anytime. That's
4: not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call.
1: The thing about that, Rhino, I I pretty much had already forgotten what John did, but whatever it was, that was so much worse. That was so much more offensive than Izzy mocking a a crying child after a fight. That was more offensive than anything, and I don't even know what it was. The hell are you talking about, Ryan? And the hell did you get on the watch list in the first place? How did that, was that a real thing? Did I really, was it me who put you on the watch list? How did you get on the watch list? What did you do to get on the watch list? Because I certainly don't remember that either. What were you just rambling on about? Craigslist? Voice memo recording
3: meant for Rex in Bristol's Craigslist, Craigslist ad offering amateur pedicures. Good night now!